peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, Lunch and Learn series. Today, we're bringing you guys Chapter 3, which is going to be focusing on heart health. This is a very, cl- uh, very massive topic close to my heart. And the reason for that is because of the the impact in what heart health can do for us and what it can't do for us when we don't take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today's show, guys, we're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, what does heart health really mean? Discuss a little bit about stroke volume, heart rate, and cardiac output, as well as cardiac hypertrophy, and we'll kind of break those two down and see what they and exactly what they are, and then looking at tracking resting heart rate and prescribing training based uh, zones or heart rate uh, targets to hit during training to kind of help you out and kind of create some variability within your lifestyle and training, and then why is it important for general health? Followed with you know, why is it, or why is it, and why, and how is it the base of the pyramid, and why is it movement, why is it strength, why is it any of these things there, and, you know, this is a, a conversation that I've had with quite a few people before, Matt, actually, in terms of if it should be the, the base of the foundation, and again, after years after years, and seeing, you know, just from athletes getting better, and what we've seen with soft lead athletes getting better, and just, you know, what, I've seen with myself and seen what it does for the individual from, you know, a general health perspective all the way up to a performance perspective without heart health and without having a strong heart, you won't be able to handle the amount of stress that we see in everyday life over for, for a long-term period. Mm. And that's, that's kind of, what I think we're going to try and dive into really with, with this, with this chapter in particular is this idea of, of addressing like both the, the health like base of the pyramid and also the performance kind of the, the tip of the spear, if you like, because you recognize that within the, the tactical community that we have like a cross section of people just like you would in, in civilian population. So we have the the guys who are, who are kind of the, the 0.1%, if you like, the, the equivalent of the Olympic athletes, right down to, to kind of like, like George always talks about kind of mom and pop, like people who are just everyday people, perhaps they're, they're kind of working an ancillary job within the community. So maybe like, a, like admin or something like that. Um, we, we know that there's, there's kind of uh, a, a very similar cross section. And with that comes the same health and, uh, and fitness concerns. So what we're going to try and do today is, is like George was saying, we're going to try and address, address both ends of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, I guess to, to kick us off, let's, let's kind of go with the, let's go with the performance side of things. I know George is itching to, to kind of get into some of his training and some of his thoughts on, on uh, training philosophy. I, I don't know if I'm gonna get too much into my own training. I think I'm going to go ahead and, and, and we'll use more examples of other athletes we've seen from softly and just ones that I've worked with personally. Sure. Yeah. And the way I'm going to open this up is what does it really mean? What does heart health mean? Because, you know, when we go ahead and look up the definition of heart health and which we have our Google machine here right now, you know, what is heart health? And, and a lot of people I feel don't really take, take it serious. And the reason for that is because of the fact that it's not, a, it's not viewed as a muscle for many people when it actually really is. So, you know, first off, why is it important? Let's see what a heart health is. Well, first off, it's a muscle. And 
we spend massive amounts of time in the gym and sometimes out running and doing these things to improve performance, meaning we're trying to make our muscles faster, stronger, more resilient, more durable, sustainable, have the transferability to go ahead and do X, Y, and Z. But without, without the heart, we wouldn't be able to do any of those things. And, you know, the heart has been something that I've really, really, have really kind of dove into over the past few years, especially when I fell into the endurance realm of things. And I think a lot of it started back in like 2015 for me was when I noticed, you know, as, as a, was weightlifting full time, you know, I was very unhealthy. I was super strong and powerful, but I was very unhealthy and I didn't like it. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't at that time and moment, I wasn't tracking heart rate. I wasn't doing HRV just yet. I wasn't kind of looking at it from that perspective. I was just looking at how strong can I get from a physical, uh, physicality standpoint. And ultimately with that coming through, I, uh, I immensely just got tougher, but I always had that coming in, right? Like that willpower has always been there. So when we go ahead and look at heart health and I, and, and I know a lot of people will be like, well, it also focuses on how you eat. Yes. A hundred percent. And there will be a completely different chapter of nutrition and there is going to be a completely different chapter of how we integrate all of these things from that, from that viewpoint. But we're going to go ahead and isolate heart health and isolate the heart in general. So we have to understand that, you know, having a strong heart allows for us to go ahead and handle more stress. I can't keep reiterating that. Well, how do we go ahead and how do we go ahead and train the heart? How do we go ahead and provide the stimulus to allow for us to get the most from improving heart health without actually overtraining, overstressing the heart? And we're actually doing the opposite of what we're trying to do because we do see that, you know, especially in the in the functional fitness world, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go do aerobic capacity work, and all of a sudden you see them doing these workouts where they're high and their their heart rates through the roof, and the only and the only reason why I can tell without even having a monitor on them is because their movement efficiency and their movement variability. And I want to bring a story up that I that I I heard from. Uh, Phil Maffetone, who's developed the max aerobic function heart heart rate formula to help mitigate how to train underneath the, underneath that aerobic threshold and how to train to improve the heart. And he said, as he was building this this formula and this theory with individuals, he actually didn't utilize this on high performing athletes. He was using this on 60, 70, 50 year old individuals who were just recreational individuals who needed to go ahead and get rid of diseases. So ultimately, the idea of improving the heart health and improving the way that the heart functions and the amount of stroke, the amount of blood volume that it puts out, the stroke rate and volume that it goes out, all of it was to go ahead and help improve health to get rid of diseases in these older generations or older uh, communities and in and, and that time frame. And, he, you know, when he was doing this research, there was no heart rate monitors whatsoever. There was none of that stuff. It was just all by feel and then all by observation. And what did that observation look like? Because for him as the coach, he had to observe the individual walking around the track. And what he would do is he's like, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and put a timer on for 40 minutes to 30 minutes. And I'm going to have you walk around this track as fast as you can walk, but I need you to stay below a specific effort. And once you go ahead and get over that effort, I'm gonna go ahead and pull you out. Well, the way he noticed that was over time, he started pairing it by movement economy and movement efficiency. And he noticed like once their movement economy started to break down, they were no longer in this aerobic state. They were now in this anaerobic state. 
so fast forward a few years later as he started opening up a research development center and he was able to do those things, he started going ahead and put these individuals in these same tests but started to test blood work. And it started okay. marrying up with, oh, cool, when these individuals movement running gait or walking gait starts to break down, they've now fallen into this anaerobic state to where they are done for the session now. And what he started doing over time was he started just a linear progression. Like, All right, cool. You went for 30 minutes without your movement patterns breaking down or however else. Now we're going to shoot for 35 to 40 minutes and we're going to track that until your movement pattern and your movement economy breaks down. And then we're going to go ahead and rest and then we'll do it again and deload and continue doing that. And what he found over time was that as he started focusing on just this aerobic aspect, he noticed that their walking efficiency started to go ahead and speed up a little bit faster. Okay. Which is really yeah, makes, makes, I'm going to say it makes sense. It kind of fit. It fits with, it, it fits with what we, what we kind of observe, like what, what people probably just have seen in their own training. And I've had that before, right? I've had, I've had emails come from individuals, you know, multiple times being like, man, you know, I'm now running, I, when I first started doing this math work or focusing on this aerobic, the aerobic system development to go ahead and increase my run times, my strength in the gym, you know, I was running 1130 pace at an average heart rate of a 148. Now I can, and that's for an hour, right? They're talking about now I can hold a, a, a pace of 930, 10 minutes at an average heart rate of 148 for 60 minutes. No problem. You're just like, Dude, that is fucking awesome. And what did we do there? We now know that we we now just improved overall heart function and heart health. Why? Because mm. we literally just saw what happened. The heart is working less to maintain a faster speed. Yeah. And and again, yeah. I, that's it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I, th I think like the adaptation rate is is relatively quick for this kind of stuff. It's it's kind of. Um, like an improvement we can see relatively quickly. But like before we kind of get too deep, did you want to go through your like how you how you sort of define heart health or how you how you kind of see it? Yeah, and, and that's a good question. So where where do I where do I what do I use? I'm sorry. What do I use in terms of, of dictating heart health? And a lot of it comes down to two things. One is gonna be resting heart rate and your recoverability from higher output efforts. So what does that exactly mean? So for example, I go ahead and use my resting heart rate as a marker for, you know, what what is my system doing? For example, I just got done with a head code. I noticed that my heart rate started to increase slightly by two to three, five beats over a three or four day period. And I knew that I wasn't training hard. I wasn't doing anything, but I started noticing I was also feeling a little wrecked, sore throat was kind of coming on. And it was kind of like, oh boy, did I catch COVID? No, it was just a head cold, right? Because that's how we have to think today. But again, by by understanding that progression and that pattern of my resting heart rate as it changed over, you know, three or four days, it allowed for me then to go ahead and mitigate the next few days, knowing like I need to go ahead and focus on recovery. I need to focus on X, Y, and Z to go ahead and allow for me to go ahead and recover and start getting my heart rate back to a normal range. And for me, my my resting heart rate, you know, when I'm when I'm not peaking for an event is around, you know, a 47, 46, you know, 48 between their bears. And when I'm like really peaking for an event and how much endurance work I've put in and training, I've dropped down to about a 41 to 42. I've seen the lowest I've seen in 2018 was a fucking 39, <laughs> which yeah. some people that's not, some people be like, Whoa, bro, that is not healthy at all. But yeah, yeah, it was just one of those things that I realized like, Oh cool. I can improve my heart 
that well. So now I hang around a 46, 47 around there that I rest and recover, but I saw it started jumping up to like the 55s, 56. I'm now seven, eight beats over my normal resting heart rate. And I'm like, oh, something's going yeah. on. So that's your early warning sign. Correct. Isn't it? And that's exactly what we're doing with this this idea of the conscious warrior system and, and having these small conversations is, hey, look, there are markers for you to find out how your well-being is from an external standpoint, meaning you can track resting heart rate really easy. You don't need to do HRV. You can literally put a heart rate monitor on in the morning and do a three-minute just sit there and see what it looks like and go about your day. Even just even if like even you don't want to go down the trackable route, just taking carotid pulse correct. like fingers on your on your neck or on your wrist, like you might have kind of seen. Correct. Um, I have buddies. Yeah, I, have, free. I have buddies, you know, I have a good friend. You know, I'm not going to say his name because he does some secret squirrel stuff, but I've worked with him since 2015 and like we keep in contact now and he's been a big part of like when I was owning my own gym in 2015, really to how can we look at this heart health stuff and how do we improve it? And that's what he did. He 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 started just doing his his pulse on his wrist or on his, on his neck and started going by that and that's what he tracked. And then what we started noticing too was like, all right, cool, well, let's go and see what your recovery ability looks like after you work for you know, let's give an example. I'll go ahead and be like, let's go ahead and use a 500 meter row. I'm like, hey, you got to push as hard as you as hard as you can. Then you're gonna rest 10 minutes, and you're gonna have another 500 meter row. And the goal is to that go. Already sounds like a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> and the goal there is to go ahead, and you're testing both. You're testing the energy system per, uh, overall. And what with that 500 meter row should you know most people should take. You know, I, I've done it the fastest. That I've done that test, and I think the fastest test I've done it. For both of them in that one day was a one fifty, a one fifty, a one thirty seven, then a one thirty eight, with nice. a ten minute rest between. Yeah, yeah. I've also done yeah, that that's... test when I was just a weightlifter, as I was getting mm. into endurance and understanding the aerobic system, and I did a five hundred meter row and was like a one thirty three, right? Because I was a super powerful individual. Yeah. A ten minute yeah. rest, I ended up dropping a one forty eight, the second five hundred. <laughs> Yeah. So right there, that goes to show is like how hard your heart has to work to recover. So the idea of recoverability is I need to make sure that I can go ahead and have that heart be as powerful and as strong as possible to help with the idea of recovering from specific bouts, specific training sessions, specific week long efforts to a to from a menstrual to a micro to a macro cycle in terms of like we have to be able to have that and that's where the heart health comes into play. Now when we take it out from a from a gym perspective or a performance perspective and how we look at it just everyday life, we now just increase the ability to now keep a lower heart rate throughout the day which allows for us to manage stress in a, in, in a very different manner as well as we now get to activate more of a parasympathetic response into the system where your body is now in this rest, recovery, digestive state to allow for us to flow through the day. You now have the the cognitive ability, the emotional intelligence, you now have, you know, the ability to from a physical standpoint to still be an asset to your family instead of going into the gym crushing yourself and now you're taking twice as long to recover because your heart health is not there. And I can use a prime example. I had a I had an athlete competing at the American Open in 2017. He was a he was a 105 plus lifter and he, I I told him it's like, "Hey man, like he he came in 3 days out at 110 kilos." Yeah, sorry. And so he had to lift as a 105. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he came in as 110 yeah, yeah, yeah. kilos, like like a week out. And three weeks, three days out, we were at 108 kilos. That's still quite a bit of weight to cut within the next three <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah, and, that's, that's going to be an interesting conversation. And obviously, he's not a very healthy individual in terms of 
the aerobic system standpoint, you know, he didn't run much. He didn't bike. He didn't do any of those. And maybe that was on me as the coach. I should have gave that more to him. But at that time period, you know, when this was going on in 2000, you know, 16, 17, like I was barely getting into understanding the aerobic system and endurance more. And, you know, so he ended up making weight. It was really tough on him. And, and I never looked mm-hmm. at it from a perspective of like just the heart and the CNS. We go up to compete and we lift. Um, snatches go well. He ends up going two for three on his snatches. Well, he didn't recover in time to go ahead and and hit the numbers he wanted to in the clean and jerk because he had been smoked from the the cut. He had yeah, been yeah. he been he used a lot of his energy from the from the snatch through the clean and jerk. The ten minute fifteen minute rest that he got between the snatch and clean and jerk wasn't enough for him to recover. Mm-hmm. So now we're over yeah. here clean and jerking one sixty one sixty five, and he has to recover within those two minutes. And that that event and that experience told me that I'm never going to let my weightlifters, my strength athletes, not have an aerobic base to where they can't recover between events or these kinds of things. And that opened the door to like a whole new world because of that specific situation where I saw my weightlifter at 105 plus weightlifting meet in the American Open. It was like 2016 or I think it was 16. In the back, laying on the floor trying to recover to get his heart rate down because he couldn't get it down because of the stress that it was under from the cut from that. And now, do I take blame for some of that? Fuck yeah. Like I was like, you know, like you're, it's just, it just happens, especially when you're in those ideas where you're competing. And, you know, I had seven lifters at the American Open that year, <laughs> you know, and you're like, you're on it. So yes, yeah, a lot of juggling. It, it, it was. So, you know, watching him do that and, and watching him like pretty much almost, you know, he puts himself at risk. Mm-hmm. And at what moment yeah. do you like step in and be like, look, dude, you're just not, f- you, you might be strong enough. You're just not fit enough to handle mm-hmm. the stress of this competition right now due to the the extreme conditions that you had coming in. Yeah, I th- that's that's something, I, I don't want to kind of interrupt your flow too much, but that, that's something I think that that maybe isn't talked about perhaps enough in the media is this idea that like, um, particularly kind of in the West, we, we see athletes as like elite athletes. We see them as like, oh, they must be, they must be super healthy because they're like, they're, like we said at the start, they're the pinnacle. But like, that's not often slash always the case when, you, when you're kind of dealing right at those, like we were talking about off air, when you're dealing right at that kind of the fringe of what's possible, like you're right at the edge of what's possible with, with kind of human physiology and, yeah. and things like that. Like you have to, to, to kind of, to get out on that fringe by the very nature of it, you have to let other things go. Cause there just isn't enough. Like the body can't, can't adapt to that just in the same way that like your, your tour de France guys aren't going to win a powerlifting. <laughs> like you, ha- you have to kind of like, yep. you have to give and take, but I think that's, that's a really interesting kind of, I, this is the only reason I want to talk about this. That's a really interesting ethical point from a, from a coaching perspective is at what point do you say, actually bigger picture here and going back to what we talked about before, this isn't healthy. Like I'm, I'm putting you at risk as a human, not necessarily as a professional. I, I think that's, that's kind of a really interesting. I mean, that could take us down a hundred percent. That's a really interesting like topic. Well, and so like it made me take a look at myself too. Cause it was like, well, if my athletes like that, maybe I'm like that. And, and realistically I wasn't as fit as I should have been either. So it kind of opened the door to being like, all right, I need to start playing around with this aerobic work. And I was doing a little bit more in like the, 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 the functional fitness CrossFit world. Like I told you when I hold my own gym, you know, we had my zone TV with heart rate monitors, but I didn't have none of my weightlifters touch it at all. 
And and that was kind of a, an eye opener to me being like, no, strength athletes, power athletes need this to, so that they can be an asset while they compete. And it, it decreases their risk to injury and only increases their success rate of performance. So mm. that just led me down the rabbit hole of understanding this. And I started playing around with HRV in like 2016 at that time period. And I've done like a full on okay. video and I've said it to you before in the past. But what was really cool is when I was running my gym, I was able to you know, run little mini, mini case studies with athletes inside there. And what I also found with working with the general population, so coming from a performance standpoint, hey, this is why you need heart health, especially if you're a strength or power athlete. Let's go ahead and let make that transfer that over to the tactical professional world. What if that's you having to fight a fire and you're focused so much more on strength and power, now you become that liability. And now, in, in, from an ethical view, you can't perform your job. You now just, and been just a, longevity and longevity. Well, like being out of, yeah. So then, you know, now going from the performance aspect of just looking at why that's important, we then come and look at this general, you know, recreational athlete, you know, who is overweight and is trying to change your lifestyle, but's on a bunch of, you know, pills for, you know, high blood pressure, depression, antidepression, and all those kinds of things. I started tracking HRV with this. And I started noticing the spikes in the heart rate in the central nervous system whenever she started taking Prozac, whenever she started taking some other kind of blood pressure medicine, some kind of like just mood stabilizer, some kind of SSRI. And what I noticed was it started affecting her heart, like her training. She couldn't come in and really train as hard as she needed to. She was not able to do that. So I was like, hey, let me go ahead and try something with you. You're going to go ahead and go through a six-week block to where we're just going to focus on pure aerobic work. You're going to get friends with pretty much jogging and running, rowing, skiing, and assault bikes. That's all the stuff I had at the gym when I owned it. I was like, but we're also going to focus on how to move better. And I was like, in the days, you know, you come in, I was like, and also once you start talking to your doctor and letting them know like, hey, this is what's happening to your system when you take this medicine. And if you can request a, a lower dosage to help you out, and this is what you're pairing. Again, I'm not a doctor. It was just some kind of, it was at that time and moment, I was being curious and I wanted to see what was going on. And her doctor was cool with it. She lowered, you know, she lowered her, her again, I didn't cut her off. We just asked to lower it. What we started seeing over that six weeks and over time period, it just added confidence into her having the ability to do things. Walk upstairs, play with her kids, go for out hikes, start hiking through the mountains. She started losing weight. She started wanting to eat better. She started sleeping better. We started doing all of these things and she was able to then to train again. So by, and I say this, by regressing it, it only added into our progression forward. Yeah. And it, yeah, well, again, it's that foundation, like like you talked about right at the start. You've you've kind of got almost a springboard, correct, or a, a base to to build up from. Correct. So, where I want to pair this heart health in with all this other stuff, where she had like these 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 uh, medical issues and sleeping issues and was overweight, was as I started increasing her aerobic capacity and her aerobic base to produce energy, uh, an aerobic energy from that standpoint. What we started seeing was whenever she started taking, you know, her 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 pills that she needed, she was having less of a response to it from a negative standpoint. Mm, she sure. started moving better. She started sleeping better. And she started actually losing weight because of the fact now we've now just taken this athlete from being this carb dependent individual or sugar dependent individual to now being more fat dependent, meaning that we've now just taken her system to be more metabolically flexible because mm. that was the goal was like, Hey, understand that the heart is a muscle, but it's fueled through nutrients. It's literally what it's fueled through. It's fueled through fucking proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, just like everything else in our system. So if we're dominant in terms of, of, of glucose, then we don't get as much oxygen out of the heart as we should. But if we're now more fat 
dependent, we now get more oxygen into the heart, which means then the heart's strong enough to go ahead and send that oxygen out, which also at the same time then allows for a lot of other things to start balancing out. Yeah, I, I can say like the ancillary kind of health benefits from from that sort of stuff are, are, are massive. We know that like the the cardiorespiratory system, so the sorry the cardiovascular system, so the like cardio being the heart and vascular being all the veins and all the all the kind of plumbing that connects it together, like their issues and dysfunction connected with with those like you're talking about, George. They're kind of one of the sort of the, the biggest risks and biggest killers like in in the West. Yeah, and um, and like. We, we know that this this kind of real simple stuff, real simple low-level activity, like even just kind of walking yeah. for 20, 30 minutes extra, like a couple of times a day can be, be really beneficial just for, for like improving that that uh, ability of the, the system to, to function properly. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Like the, the benefits are, are huge and it's so accessible. Like like you were saying, it doesn't have to be super high tech or not like at all. crushing yourself on the salt bike. No, it, it, and, and again, it's not sexy. Yeah, and that's yeah, the yeah. and that's the point is right like you know example like yes like you know I went into the gym today and someone saw me do some strength work and some higher intensity stuff and they walked up to me and they're like I've never seen you do that kind of stuff in this in the gym because I'm that guy that comes in either weightlifts throws around sandbags throws around kettlebells does just does his thing I can do all of them he, they were like oh I've never seen you do handstand pushups and you know, toes the bar and bar muscle ups and a few, and like, again, I just like to play around with that just because it's kind of body awareness. I know I can do it. It's a fun fucking party trick. Um, but at the end of the day, like, and the reason why I bring that up too is because the reason why I'm able to do all those things is because I have a strong heart, meaning that I'm able mm -hmm. to go ahead and keep a lot of these cognitive uh, skills that I've developed over a time period and they don't go away because of the strong heart I have. And people can probably be like, oh, I don't know if that's true or not, but ultimately it allows for me to go ahead. While I improved my heart rate, I was able to access and have control of my prefrontal cortex, meaning I had the control on if it was closed or if it was open. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Right? Because we know that at a certain percentage of heart rate, our prefrontal cortex now shuts down. We no longer have access to go ahead and improve specific skills. We just rely on whatever it is we believe that we've had in the past, and that's what happens. But when we go ahead and utilize low aerobic training and we practice, you know, again, monkey tricks like gymnastics work or weightlifting or some kind of strength work, we've now opened the prefrontal cortex to a point to where it's taking on in all this new information to where we now can process it. And if we move properly, we moved correctly and we, we had really good results in the gym, it now then takes that and processes and stores it. And then you can keep that longer. And just just kind of to, to put in context, am I, am I right in thinking like prefrontal cortex is kind of like your logic? Correct. Sort of in logic, skill development. In quotes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and, and, and that a lot of, and the reason why I bring that up is because that's what I really focused on with this individual, this, this lady that I worked with at my gym when I ran it was like, hey, we're going to go ahead and bring this low level aerobic work in to help de-escalate de some of central nervous system tension because you're so sympathetic from all of these other drugs and just the lifestyle and being overweight. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and bring some of this low aerobic work and let's go ahead and fix movement patterns. Let's go ahead and focus on some strength work. Oh, you want to get better at learning how to do body awareness stuff from kipping and like, and you don't have the strength to do those kinds of things. Well, let's go ahead and work on just building low level, close chain body awareness and we'll progress that over time, which we saw again. So again, I'm taking a general fitness athlete and still training them in this performance aspect to help increase overall longevity in their well-being. I've taken a, uh, in a performance individual like someone who's a weightlifter and I forgot to, we didn't do no aerobic work on them. We saw exactly what happened. But then 
I was able to change that. And now we've seen athletes, you know, who've competed in strongman competitions, taking top five who can go run a 50 K two weeks later. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and again, is that maybe the level? Maybe, I don't know. Like I would love to, you know, I would love to go ahead and see those guys go ahead and do those things. Go do, do even more extraordinary things. Right. So like the biggest thing I like to take from this, when we look at heart health is, it's important in the overview of what we're going to be doing and getting into is massive. And I know there's a lot of information on these and I'm going to, we're going to try and keep our best to keep these within like 30 minutes, which this, this episode has is about to pass over that. But I think it's, it's, it's okay because of the fact that when we go ahead and look at heart health, you know, and we talk about this idea of why is it important from a, a general health perspective? I know I've hit a lot of those things, but Matt, you've worked in the realm of the tactical professional where you've had to work with some of these individuals who sit behind the desk and are just support individuals and how they don't take care of themselves. We had conversations about that and explain to them like, hey, look, if you just go ahead and do X, Y, and Z, it's very simple. It's not easy. It's difficult because you have to be disciplined and do it. You might actually see you're better at just life and your job in general. How do you, how did you work that when you were working with individuals like that in the, in, in, in the space that you were in the UK? Um, I think that's an awesome question. And that's something that we'll get into in episode two. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, okay. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, finish it out with exactly why is this is heart health, the, the, the base of the pyramid. I, yeah, I, I think, I think in terms of, um, in terms of one thing that's going to level everything else up, we always bang on about sleep being the, the kind of a third of your life. The other third of your life is, is going to be kind of your, your work and, and training and, and things like that. And then you've got like a third where you, you're probably not quite so um, like, like time restricted. So I think if we, can, if we can boost, if we can just get out and do a couple of low level aerobic activities, and that might be like, playing frisbee with your kids that might be going for a dog walk that that might be something that, that doesn't look like formal act formal exercise that's going to be one of the biggest things that will, that will like um lift up everything else yeah so guys i'm excited for this uh for this this chapter it's something that's really close to my heart like i said again we'll break down exactly you know what it looks like to check recoverability of your heart and how well you're, you're recovering between sessions as well as getting into this idea of working with general populations from the tactical um, tactical professional community, and as well as again, the the recreational athlete and how we can look mm -hmm. at how this improves your heart health from a standpoint where it doesn't change much in your everyday life. So again, guys, thank you for listening. Till next time. Cheers. <laughs>